From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we start season four of our show and we get the NFL season rolling. We start at home talking Browns opener and the Guardians slow slide into Bolivian. On the road, we talk NFL week one, fall hot shots, and the worst fantasy league ever. Off the field, we talk music, but mostly stay off the turntable. We close the show talking music, business, ethics, and aging. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, this Sunday feels really good, right? Yes, sir. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I'm not used to feeling like this during the football season on Sundays. <laughs> I said it's it's joy is a weird feeling on a Sunday uh, around these parts. So, yeah, I feel great. Joy, especially on the first Sunday of that season, is especially rare uh, in the last 25 years of our lives. But that's where we're at. Let's get started at home. The return of skid marks. Our weekly look at the Browns' road to the Super Bowl. Browns rolled up a convincing but soggy 24-3 win over the Bengals today. The Browns are now a scorching 321-1 on opening day since 1999. <laughs> but 1-0 this season and tied for first in the AFC North. So give me 60, your 60-second take on today's game. I don't know if I need all 60. Of routes. At home, the first game of the season, the front seven made Burrow miserable. The pass rush was unrelenting. Uh, the secondary consistently uh, made plays on wideouts. Third down defense, elite, at least in one game. You hold the Bengals under three yards of play. The other thing, the big thing here we talked about last year, tackling, not giving yes. up yards after yes. a catch or letting Mixon escape. The AFC North bully defense, at least for one Sunday, was absolutely dominating. Uh, the offense can be better. But if this is how Sundays are supposed to feel, question mark, like I'm, I'm going to take it. Like, I'll take it. It's a great Sunday. Just under 60 seconds. Well done. Oh, nice. Phil, you get five extra seconds from Chuck. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to need it. Um, no, it, it, defense is why we won this game. The, the defense was fast. The defense was quick to the ball, even when they completed passes. I think the Bengals punted 11 times. It was ridiculous. Even on good completions, our secondary was, they were immediately hitting these guys and stop, stopping them short of the sticks. So it was all about the defense. Uh, Chuck touched on it, the pressure on the quarterback all day long. I can't remember the last time we lost the turnover battle, especially by two. And, and won, won the game. Ball. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that too. The only way you do that is because your defense plays the way our defense played. Uh, the offense, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was underwhelming. Weather played a huge role in that, right? I mean, it would both quarterbacks were throwing the ball sideways at some points because they just couldn't grip the ball. You saw some signs of life there, though. Some things that hopefully in a, in a better weather conditions they could uh, exploit. How about that? Sixty seconds. Yeah, well done. Obviously, you guys aren't timing it, but you were both really <laughs> close to sixty seconds. That's that's nice. Even with the offense struggling the way that it did, this felt like a complete game. Defense was obviously outstanding. Plays that they consistently made all game long felt like something new for us to see. Like there are times when the Browns defense would make those plays for like a half and then the second half they'd come out and they'd get torched and it would stop. And it just they just never did from the beginning to the end of the game. The defense was fantastic. Even though it was struggling, the offense did some really good things like that last drive in the first half when they scored the touchdown. It was a really competent, well-run 
well-organized, well-executed drive to end a half that we never see in Cleveland. <laughs> so that was that was really good. And I mean, what can you say about the special teams? Both kickers played well. Coverage on all but the the very first kick of the game, which I didn't see because the stream that I was watching the game on wasn't operating properly at that point. Uh, I think that was the only real problem they had. Otherwise, they were great. So all around complete game, good effort from the Browns today against the Bengals. Where are you at on Deshaun Watson? He was 16 for 29, only 154 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He outplayed Joe Burrow, but he had several oddly terrible throws during today's game as i was watching the game i kept noting how and this seemed to be a problem in the last uh, six games of last year too he was just short shorting his passes like he's you know bounce passing this thing in throwing a guy's feet it was hard until the camera took certain angles on tv to see exactly how messy that was weather wise so i'm gonna give him a little bit of a of a break there because maybe he was trying to grip the ball too much and he pushed it i i don't know but it seemed to me like everything was short even getting the ball up to someone's waist, I think these guys would have been catching those things. And there were a lot down at the feet and even skipping into the hands. So that was that was a concern because the guys were wide open. I mean, it was wide open passes that he was short on for the first half and into the third quarter for sure. I wasn't in the stadium, but the way the play-by-plays, you, you would have thought it was like comparable to a blizzard. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, yeah. like, it's it's rain. I get it. Everything gets wet. I was not impressed in the first half. The only thing I started to become impressed with was, again, we've said this before, we've never had a quarterback who can move like that out of the pocket and run the ball. And and he does that. He's extremely athletic, and that's great. And there should be something to be said here, too, not only for Deshaun Watson, but for Joe Burrow. And I know Burrow was hurt, but the fact that these guys don't play in preseason or they play yeah. 10 plays, it's almost like the first couple weeks here for a lot of guys is like they're pre, you know, like they're just getting into a rhythm. So the defense covered up for everybody today, you know, like they, they were so dominant. Deshaun Watson could have thrown for 50 yards. They probably still win the game. Uh, it worries me a little bit that he's missing wide open guys or he's under throwing wide open guys. But again, week one, wet ball, whatever. The conditions were bad for everybody. And so neither Watson nor Burrow played well. But I think the difference is what you guys have kind of pointed out is that Burrow had a shitty game because of the weather conditions and because the Browns defense was just so good. Watson, when he was off, man, he's missing guys who are wide open. Like it wasn't like the Bengals were stopping him. I mean, he was literally just either overthrowing people or way underthrowing people. Watching it in the first half, my first thought was before I get worried about this, like there's no way he's this shitty. There's just no way. Like, something's going on here. Either it's the <laughs> hasn't played a bunch because he doesn't play at all in the preseason, or it's the weather, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's something because I remember watching him play in Texas. He was never this bad. He's The guy wouldn't be in the league anymore if every game he bounces half of his passes to his receivers. Like, he'd be out by now. So I don't know what to make of it. And I don't know if we can really fairly judge him off of this game like it's just it's kind of like a preseason game because he hasn't played much and the weather was nuts so okay toss it up to that and just be glad that he was able to get some plays with his legs he runs really he runs really hard he should learn to slide but i think cleveland fans probably love it when he's like trying to truck a defensive back or something like that so he's making he did enough to win the game which is why we should all be excited i just don't know if i'm going to put too much stock in judging what his performance was in this one do we need to talk about kickers? Never. Kickers. Kickers. <laughs> Scale of one to five. One being Phil Dawson, five being Lou Groza. 
who only made 56% of his field goals. Dude was Cade York in the 50s. How do you rate Dustin Hopkins' performance today? I'll, I'm going to go all the way to one. He he was three for three, right, in bad weather. And I did love the fact that audibly watching it on TV, the crowd erupted for oh, every yeah. time the ball went yeah. through. Uh, so I'm I'm going to go one here, you know, like something they addressed. Guy comes to town from sunny in 75 all the time, and, and he kicked in, in crap weather and, and did a great job. So at least this week, it's a, it's a one. Yeah, it's definitely a Phil Dawson one. He made all three of the field goals he lined up to kick, and he made the one extra point he had to kick. So that's a four for four on kicks, and they split the uprights. He didn't sneak any of them in there. Didn't doink anything in. Yeah. yeah. None of them were super long, but we need a kicker to routinely make the kicks in the 40-yard range, right? Like, that's the guy we need, and that's what he did today. All of those kicks were important. You know, the game was was not decided until the fourth quarter. So every time he had a kick, it was like, oh, we really need this to keep this, uh, you know, two-score game and stuff like that. And those were the kicks that Cade York was missing. I was looking back through, like, the list of Browns kickers to to come up with this scale. And remember Chase McLaughlin or something like that? Oh, yeah. That dude oh, yeah. was missing kicks like that, too. <laughs> you know, it's like we've had years of guys who couldn't make a 35-yard kick under pressure. You kept waiting for it to go wrong today, and the dude just kept on banging them through, man. Uh, I'm impressed. Well done, Dustin Hopkins. You are now Phil Dawson. Moving on, who is your MVB, your most valuable Brown for this game? Well, I have three guys written down. I'm not going to take all three of them because Chuck needs a turn, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, we'll, we'll come back three. to you, Phil. Right. I'll yeah, tell no, you no, what, no. if there's anybody left when we're done, we'll come back. <laughs> no, I'll just I'll just choose one. I'll choose the guy I wrote down first, and that was Grant Delpit. The dude had uh, eight Damn tackles. It. He was all over the place. On a day where the his counterpart was a scratch because of an injury, you know, all of a sudden he he represented the the safety with experience out there, and he played a great game. Yeah, they actually sent him on a blitz one time. That was fantastic to see. So I thought Delpit looked great. Um, but quite honestly, I mean, you could you could throw you could throw a dart at anyone on the defense today. They played so well. But I, I was impressed with Grant Delbert because that's a guy that, you know, we've been worried about him injury wise in the past. We think we've got a, a good player there. We just need to keep him on the field. Nice to know that was right for at least one week and said, I think Grant Delbert's going to have a yeah. hell of a season. Yeah. And, I thought it and, every time and, he made a play today, Chuck, yeah, I thought like yeah, this is what yeah. Chuck was talking about, um, man. He's on it. I'm going to give it to Jim Schwartz. In one week. Damn it. That's what I was going to do. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. Just take Nick Chubb, Gerber. Nick yeah. Chubb. <laughs> Say Nick Chubb. I'm going to give it to Schwartz. And, and I guess there's a few reasons why. Like, you know, we have some questions about the linebackers or the secondary. And they all played great. The front four played phenomenal. What I guess I'm most impressed with is that no defensive coordinator ever thought, hey, we can f***ing move Miles Garrett anywhere we want during a game. He doesn't always have to be on this side. He can go to the other side. He can be in the middle. I'm surprised he didn't line up as safety for one play. So I just like the fact that uh, even after the game, I don't know if it was Newsom or somebody kind of said, like put it on Jim Schwartz. Like they, they, they gave all of it to him. So uh, if a guy comes in and, and changes that mindset and changes the culture of the defense, like I said, this is this was a punishing defense performance for one game. Uh, so I think that should be celebrated. So originally I had written down Grant Delpit because I thought that he was just all over the field. And then Phil picked Grant Delpit. So I quickly thought, okay, I'm going to go with Jim Schwartz <laughs> because I think it, like at least the one thing that Jim Schwartz showed me today was uh, it really was all Joe Wood's fault because the team's not <laughs> that much different and they were way better. So now we have that. And we finally have the answer to that question for what was wrong with last year's defense. Was it the players or the coach? Now we know for sure it was the coach. With those two already taken, I guess I will go with Nick Chubb. 
I was the one who said last week that he was going to be an afterthought, and I don't know if it was the game plan or the weather, uh, but he was central to the offense. He was fantastic. He did what great running backs do, man. He took that team on his back in the second half, and he put the game away, and, and that was awesome. Phil, do you have anybody else? I did, yeah. I had uh, Dwight, Dwight Jones because that guy good came one. in. Yeah, yeah. That guy came yeah, in uh, after uh, the Conklin injury, yep. and you never heard his name called once, which means he never made a mistake. And he was he was just keeping the right side of that line uh, in front of him. So that's pretty good for that rookie. I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, I think so. He he played great. Well, let's move on from our MVB discussion. I want to talk a little psychology. The question came to mind re-listening to last week's episode, that as Browns fans, we are conditioned to expect the worst. It keeps us from getting too excited every season, spooks us, you know, in picking them to win the division or picking them as fantasy players. But there really is no reason this can't turn around. The past does not control the future. So where do you think Browns fan psychology is right now? Uh, the unreasonable ones that we are the 85 bears on defense and <laughs> we're going to make a deep playoff run into the Super Bowl. I think most Browns fans are exactly what you just said. I am that guy too, where I didn't think today was going to be good for the Browns all week. I thought, Hey, at least let them be competitive. Let them show me something on both sides of the ball. That gets me at least a little more excited for the rest of the season because they're playing a really good football team. Browns fans are, are Charlie Brown. All the time. And whoever used to pull the football away. I don't remember her. Lucy. 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 Okay. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Lucy. We're Charlie Brown and the NFL is is Lucy to us. You, you said three in whatever in one in opening games. So the ex expectation is always that the, the something's going to happen bad for them to lose the game. But it's always nice to be pleasantly surprised. That's why I also said at the, at the jump of the show, like joy on a Sunday. What I don't understand this feeling. It doesn't feel. It feels weird. It's like when Jerry cried for the first time on Seinfeld. He's like, "What is this? What is this salty discharge?" Yeah, well, yeah right. <laughs> but ultimately, I hope like that changes for us week to week here. Like you start seeing them play consistently. I'm not saying stacking huge wins, but they play consistently, and you see something to get excited about. I think Browns Nation. On the extremes in both directions, you've got people, you know, planning the trip to Vegas for the Super Bowl on one end, and you've got people that are there. They just figure they're going to go into Pittsburgh and get shellacked on Monday night because that'll just even things out. And that's the, you know, the the pessimistic side of Browns Nation. I think the vast majority of the fans fall between that, and and it's with guarded optimism right now, right? Because the team, and we can't say this that much, certainly not in the last twenty four years, the team didn't play their best game on both sides of the ball, and destroyed the Bengals today really yeah. at the end of it i mean destroyed a really good yeah. team yeah. yeah guarded optimism i think it's like okay a lot of us are going to probably sit back week in and week out for this first you know four to six weeks and say all right keep showing me show me what you guys got and uh that said though i i think and and even no names please but even the most pessimistic guy in our group texted out today like hey is this team secretly okay i don't like how he went all the way to okay <laughs> so there's that there's that guarded optimism yeah. i'm talking about i think i'm somewhere beyond the guarded optimism i, I want to stop thinking about it like a browns fan for the last 40 years of my life and just look at what's there right now and it just seems like they're so this is such a good team or potentially such a good team i, I want to be more excited about it rather than 
cautiously optimistic. We'll see. We are going to continue to revisit the psychology question throughout the season. But let's move on to a new bit for us, our Browns bets. We are going to be, each of us, making a bet on the Browns game. Um, we are going to start with a 100,000 Gerbucks to begin the season. Uh, you get to bet what you want, and then we'll talk about whether we win or lose. Phil, what was your bet today? All right. I'm going to walk you guys through this. I, I I got greedy on a parlay. My three levels of the bet. The first one was Nick Chubb having two or more receptions. All right. Check. Right. So I added to that Nick Chubb rushing for 75 yards or more. Check. That got me into the positives. That was a plus 145 bet. I couldn't stop myself. There, oh, though. you should have. <laughs> I should have. But I couldn't stop myself at plus 145. So I added. Oh, and I did not pay attention to the Dick Goddard weather report, I added Deshaun Watson 250 yards of passing because that got my bet up to plus 375. Yeah. Like we're doing yeah. that, we're doing that. So I I plunked down the equivalency of I don't know 10,000 gerbucks on that bad boy and uh, lost it. <laughs> I went on FanDuel just to see like what what are some of the things going on, and I saw one that was super enticing for a guy like me who really believes in David Njoku. Uh, 50 plus <laughs> yards. You need 50 plus yards at one night plus 198. I'm like, that's pretty good. So much like Phil, I bet 10,000 good bucks uh, in loss. I don't think he got halfway there. I think he had like 22 yards. Yeah. At least we're staying consistent. Um, I put down 10,000 good bucks on the Browns plus one and a half. Chubb to have more than 64 and a half yards and the over 46 and a half. Oh. That got me plus 375 and seemed like such an easy bet. But I also did not look at the Dick Goddard weather, weather report, and so I had no idea those were going to be the conditions. So good to know we're all still tied. 90,000 gerbucks. <laughs> See you at the Wooly Bear Festival. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Next week, Browns stay in the north, traveling to Pittsburgh with an H. Steelers lost convincingly today against the 49ers, and it was awesome. Chuck Burke and I picked the Browns to win against the Steelers next Monday night. Denko and Miller picked them to lose. Anybody want to change their picks? No. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I picked them to win today, and I thought while I was making those picks before I saw yeah. this defense play that they'd have a bit of a letdown in Pittsburgh. But then I also tuned in a bit for some of the Steelers 49ers game today. And, wow, I think we can go into Pittsburgh, lose the turnover battle, and win again. So I'm changing my pick to a W. Yeah. Yeah. So much for that cautious optimism. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we're going to go into Pittsburgh and kill the Steelers <laughs> like we always do. White helmets, white satin jack jacket, baby. Right. I mean, they gave up 188 yards on the ground today. The Steelers gave up 188 yards. Yeah. So mental yeah. note, run the ball a little bit next mm -hmm. week and let's see how that works out. Yeah. Agreed. All right. That's it for the Browns. Why don't we move on? I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the Guardians are still playing baseball. How about our Guardians week cap? Guardians comeback week wasn't. Guards lost two of three to the Twins while being outscored 29 to 11. The team then traveled west while their playoff hopes headed to the Bahamas for the offseason. <laughs> Guards met up with the tanking Angels and showed them what tanking really looks like. Guards lose three of four against the Angels. They're seven and a half out. Central Division Hospice Watch, scale of one to five. One being Joffrey, five being Adriana from the Sopranos. How do you feel about the Guardians' impending death? <laughs> Man, so wait a minute. Let me let me get this scale straight. I was really excited about Joffrey's impending death. That's exactly death, right. And That's I exactly hated right. the fact that 
Adriana was going to die, right? Okay. Yeah. What? Do, how do I feel about their death? I'm a five, man. I hate it. I hate it. I want to be rooting for winning baseball in September. And we're not. It's over. Sayonara. I look at the scale a little bit differently because Joffrey's death was shocking and drawn out. Like, please make it stop. And it just didn't. It kept going and he kept getting worse and worse and worse. And that's what I feel like this week was. There's no better week in Cleveland sports fandom than Browns are starting and the Guardians have a chance to make a move. On Monday, they give up 20 runs. And this week was just a microcosm of the season, man. Spotty starting pitching, blown saves, not cashing in with guys on base. And ultimately, at the end of the week, it was a bad team losing to another bad team. So uh, I'm at a one. Now I'm really confused about the scale. <laughs> <laughs> You're just both a, right. Like, this is long. Dr- <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I agree. I I looked at I'm a five. I'm on Adriana. But you knew Adriana was coming. And it was just mm. so horrible to have to watch it like happen. Like you, you knew how bad that was going to be. Uh, and that's how I feel about this season at this point. All right. Next week. Anybody care? Tito, my the Giants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they're in San Francisco for three, then back to Cleveland for three against the Texas Rangers. Texas is known for Rocky Mountain oysters, which are fried bull testicles. San Francisco is known for chipinow, an Italian fish stew. Which one of those would you eat to best sum up the season? God, fish stew or bull's nuts? <laughs> those are your choices. You have to pick one. Oh, oh man. Go with the bull testicles. Why not? It's a hearty meal. I probably won't be hungry after it. Where the fish might leave me wanting more. Warm fish sounds fantastic. <laughs> Basically, chum. Is that what you're saying? Chum? No, it's like a delicacy. Oh, I've had, I've actually had um, some good fish stew. So that that might there's potential there. I've never had a bull testicle, uh, and that sounds like um, a punch to the nuts, and you're eating them. So that's kind of how I guess that's the meal I would eat to sum up this year's guardians campaign yeah i think i'm going with the fish stew it just sounds terrible and that's how this season has ended up turning out so i don't know guardians are still going unfortunately but we're not going to let that ruin winning sunday night and the good feelings from the browns but we are going to take our first break come back hit the road talk some more nfl and some other stuff Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we'll start with NFL on the bus. I'm working on titles. Our look (laughs) around the NFL. Let's take a look at what's happening around the league outside of just our beloved Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry. I mispronounced that. Our beloved undefeated Cleveland Browns. (laughs) How about the biggest week one win? Lions beat the Chiefs on Thursday night. Should I just stop? Yep. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Uh, Next one, Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield beat the Minnesota Vikings today. Next one, Dolphins came back to win a big game against the Chargers late this afternoon. And f*** it, Browns over the Bengals. Who had the biggest week one win? There's a lot of good ones in there. Um, I'm going to get sentimental. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers as my second favorite team. Well, the Lions have kind of moved there, but my Buccaneers have always been my second favorite team. Uh, For a guy who's on his fourth team in three years and his eighth probably offensive coordinator, and not that his stat line was crazy, it was not, but he let a second half come back, he made throws when he had to, and he beat a really good team. I like the swaggy, confident Baker Mayfield, and I hope that's what this season is for this guy because he deserves it. That's a good choice. I think biggest win in my mind of all the teams you mentioned, I'm going to go with our, our Detroit Lions. I think this is a team that 
you know, we, we knew they had the, the attitude, right? Like they had the right attitude last season. They, you could see there was some promise there and they come out there and have to open up the season in Kansas city against the defending champions and hope to get off to a good start and not just get shellacked. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't really necessarily uh, blame them if they did, right? Like, okay, you're own one, but you lost to the chiefs. No big deal. You're going to take over this division. They went out there and it was not an easy win. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they had a stick. They were sticking oh, yeah. with that team and, and really it was, it was all the way down to the wire. So the way the lions won and then the way the rest of that division panned out because of Chuck's Buccaneers was huge for the lions. Like they're, they're on top now with a, uh, what tied with the Packers and looking, yeah. looking down at the bears and the Vikings <laughs> after one week. I'm on the lions as well. And it strikes me that the, up-and-coming Lions of 2023 went into Kansas City on opening day and won the game that the up-and-coming Browns of, what, like 2021 couldn't do, or 2022? Probably both years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought that was a huge win, man. I think it is going to drive the Lions hype machine like into overdrive, and it shouldn't be. That's still a team that's going to be good, could win their division, is not going to go to the Super Bowl, but now they've beaten the Chiefs, and so maybe maybe there's going to be people out there saying they, they can. But you can't take away from the fact that that was, that was a huge win. So were we too harsh? In our preview last week, we talked about some teams we thought were bad. Who might be better than we think? The Rams beat the Seahawks, who I picked to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Commanders beat the Cardinals in the Gerber turd game of the week uh, and the Broncos <laughs> almost beat the Raiders. And that's something. So were we too harsh? Which of those teams might be better than we thought they were? I don't know that we were too harsh. It's, it's one week. <laughs> exactly 50% of these teams have to win and lose. Right. So of our predictions though, the one in that list anyway, that I, I just don't know about are, are the Rams. Cause it, they, they just, they shouldn't be good anymore, but they've got good older football players on their team, right? I mean, it's they still are led by by some pretty special players on offense and defense. So maybe they're a little bit better. I think I picked them to be the second worst team in the NFL. So uh, um, they might be a little bit better than that. So I don't know. After one week, that was a surprising win. But I, I'm not going to say that we were too harsh just yet. Same. It's, it's the Rams. I mean, they beat the tar out of the Seahawks and they did most of the damage in the second half. And Matthew Stafford, who has injury issues through for like 300 plus yards and two receivers not named Cooper Cup, who's out for an extended period of time again, had over 100 yards. I'm with you, Gerb. I think the Seahawks are a really good team. And to see them lose handily to a Rams team that were like, well, eh, they're old, they're on the decline, but maybe there's something to say for a crafty veteran uh, and a guy who won a Super Bowl and gets Subway commercials now, and we still don't respect in Matthew Stafford. He had a great game, so maybe we're a little too harsh on them. I'm really hoping that that Rams game says more about the Rams than the Seahawks. Maybe the Rams are going to be awesome this year. I guess I got to say it. I guess I got to give it up, give it up to the Broncos. Like perhaps I was too harsh on the Broncos. Maybe they're maybe they're more than a two win team this year because they almost did win that game. They didn't, but you know, almost is pretty good for how bad I thought they were going to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start laying off the Broncos a little bit. All right. Best player of the weekend. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, 150 yards receiving, but somehow no touchdowns, which seems to me like it's hard to do. Christian McCaffrey, 49ers running back, 152 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown. Miami Dolphin receiver Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions for 215 yards. Last one, Tua Tungavailoa. 
466 yards passing, three TDs, including the late game winner to Hill. So who's the best player of the weekend? I like this Tua Tyreek combo, man. Like they're I'm gonna ride that wave all the way to the Super Bowl <laughs> with those Dolphins, yeah. right? So uh I'm gonna give it to Tua though. I mean Tyreek Hill had a phenomenal game. Um, but Tua on my phone today because I have I have both of those guys on various fantasy teams. So I kept getting alerts, like they kept scoring, and it was fantastic. Tua's Tua's offensive line was fantasy football gold. I wonder what Justin Jefferson's line would have been if Kirk Cousins actually threw to him in the second half, because most of those yeah. almost all of those yards came in the first half, and that's Probably why the Buccaneers won that game because they didn't really go back to him. Uh, but I'll go with Tua too, mostly because you're a Tua hater, Gerb. Um, <laughs> I and am. I understand he's, he's got a lot of weapons around him, but for, for a guy that we were scared for his life last year to to play that well again, and I, I get it, like that offense is phenomenal. But how many yards did he throw for? What'd you say? 400 and 466. Yeah, it's going to take Deshaun Watson five games to get to there. Uh, so I'm going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tua. Yeah, I'm on Tua as well. I've certainly been a non believer for a long time. And in some respects, because I'm afraid for his health and for the concussion thing. But I don't know, man. Um, they couldn't have been getting to him too much if he was able to throw for almost 500 yards. That's like a college football line. Uh, that he put up this weekend. That's pretty impressive. So three for three, Tua is our best player of the weekend in the NFL. Let's move on, talk a little AFC North. Ravens beat the Texans, but lose running back J.K. Dobbins to a torn Achilles. Steelers, as we said, got spanked by the 49ers. One through four, how would you rank the AFC North teams right now? Oh, that's this is going to be fun. Uh, Browns at number one. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Ravens at number two. Bengals at three, uh, Steelers at four. Exactly the same as of right now. Right now, today. Yeah. That's today. how I would rank yeah, the North. That's, Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Based on what we saw in the field this weekend, uh, Browns are the best team in the division. Ooh. <laughs> the only thing I would switch is the Ravens and the Bengals. I still believe in the Bengals, and the Ravens just have a tendency to lose like these key guys like this in, in really bad ways. So I would say Browns are the best team in the division. Today, Bengals second, Ravens third, Steelers fourth, which is fantastic. Week one underreactions. Everyone's always talking about week one overreactions, but I want to do things a little bit differently. I want to look at things that maybe you think are important that maybe people aren't really looking at after only one week of the season. So, Chuck, what was your week one underreaction? I kind of talked about, I had, a, I had a couple that melded together. One was like the Rams actually doing well. One was Baker doing well. And we kind of talked about Tyreek Hill. Uh, the underreaction here is I watched that game, and that's what the NFL wants you to believe that football is right now. Not a whole lot of defense. It's a shootout all the time. The skill position players are unreal. But my underreaction is specifically for Tyreek Hill. How? Did the Chiefs let that dude walk away? Now, I know <laughs> that that contract would have been handcuffing that franchise i get it but after you watch thursday night and god bless our lions man but really the receivers lost that game for the chiefs and if you had time you have a one of one that guy is a one of one and you let him walk away you see why the chiefs kind of lose that game and you see how talented that guy is in that dolphin offense so i guess what my underreaction is is that even with 200 yards, he still doesn't get enough credit for how talented he is for a smaller NFL player. My underreaction is going to loop two things together that will be proven incorrect probably in six days. <laughs> um, 
The underreaction is the importance of the running back position and the ability to play defense in today's NFL. And the reason I bring that up is one, it hit home for us today because we saw a Cleveland Browns team that dominated on the defensive side of the ball. And we had over 200 yards of rushing uh, between two, three guys running the ball, basically, uh, including our quarterback. So those two things kind of old school, but in listening to some post-game commentary, Bill Cower and Phil Sims both said the same thing. Like these, some teams are built to dominate defensively and run the ball. And if they continue to do that, they'll be fine. And my hope is that you add to that a level of offense with the Cleveland Browns anyway, that has a a quarterback that can move the ball and wide receivers that can get open, then great, because we can still win those games. And it's not just about the Browns. The Steelers gave up almost 200 yards of rushing today to Christian McCaffrey, who in that stadium didn't think he was going to get the ball on every other play, right? And they couldn't stop him. And then the third tier to all that in terms of the, the running backs and their place in today's NFL is we've got two starting running backs that are still free agents in Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt. I'm thinking injuries are going to happen. Obviously, in the first quarter of the season, we already saw one in Baltimore. So I expect one of those guys to probably don the the Ravens helmet soon. Um, Those are two guys that are, I would grade them higher than serviceable, right? I mean, you've got two, you've got Fournette, who's been, he's got a lot of mileage on him, but he's been very good each year. And then Hunt, who's really not had a lot of mileage on him. And they're both 28 years old. My take is the the running back position is making a bit of a comeback after one week. Fournette has to be like 42. He's just 28. So young. He's 28. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. (laughs) Oldest, oldest young guy I've ever seen. The Patriots played a really tough game against the Eagles today. And what I think the underreaction is what people aren't paying attention to Bill Belichick and his girlfriend broke up last week. And I think that's really important. Like, first of all, there's an Uncle Leo aspect to this. Remember when Uncle Leo broke up with his <laughs> girlfriend? Seinfeld's like, you should be holding on to her like grim death, which is not far off. <laughs> I think that's true. But I think the second thing is, is now Belichick doesn't have the distractions of like a girl in his life. He can just focus on football. Right. What is that's that going to do? Yeah. Finally. 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 <laughs> look, at, look at how it worked today, man. They They played probably the best team in the nfc right down to the wire and almost won that game so i think um not enough people are talking about the impact bill belichick being single is going to have on the afc east week two not browns game what game not involving the cleveland browns are you looking forward to next week i'm going to stay in our division and it's the ravens at the cincinnati Bengals because uh this is you can't you cannot possibly have a must win in week two in the nfl right but for the Bengals. This is a problem. If if the Ravens come in there and beat the Bengals in Cincinnati and they're 0-2 against two people they're in their division, yeah. that's a problem. So I'm I'm looking forward to that game to see what happens when the Ravens uh you know take that that show on the road a bit and and see if uh, the Bengals can can find their offense. I don't I don't know. I'm going with the Chiefs and the Jags because the Chiefs have a real good shot of starting the season 0-2. Um Trevor yeah, Lawrence, like that. Is, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> even though we all picked him to go super deep, like yeah. I wouldn't be upset if they were owed too. No, no, I'll be and, happy to be wrong. <laughs> and, and Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback, and he's starting to show that he's a great quarterback. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they lost. I have no idea if Travis Kelsey's going to play, but if the Chiefs start owing to, that probably be like the first time since shit. Foyer was there. Uh, Man, oh, I mean, yeah. really, probably Foyer. since what's his name's been the coach, right? Yeah, Andy since Reed, Andy sure. Reid's been the coach. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going Bears at Buccaneers. Battle of two quarterbacks that might be good or might be good and <laughs> terrible. You just don't know yet. And I'm I'm kind of excited to see if Baker can get a run going here for the for the Buccaneers. So I'm looking forward 
to that one. But that is enough NFL. Why don't we move on to our pumpkin spice fall hot shots? Our hot takes from around the sports world. Summer's over. We're into fall. FIBA World Cup. Team USA lost to Germany Friday morning in Canada over the weekend. No medal for Team USA in the World Cup. Most disappointing World Cup of the year. Women's soccer or men's basketball? Uh, Women's soccer. Just because the best women's soccer players in the country play for Team USA. Even with not the best NBA players playing for Team USA here, they still probably should have won. So it is more disappointing that the women lost when they should have won. It's absolutely the women's soccer team. That is that is your dream team in in the world stage of of women's soccer. Uh, the FIBA, the men's team for the FIBA basketball tournament. I don't even know if we could call this our B team. I guess it was our B team. Um, but these are not the guys that are going to suit up in a couple of years in Paris for the Olympics. I agree. Like the women for so many years dominated that sport, and to have them go out early the way they did was was far more disappointing than I don't know. It's kind of weird basketball world cup biggest upset of the weekend texas beat alabama miami beat texas a&m sean strickland beat israel adesanya to win the ufc middleweight title carlos alcarez lost in the semis of the u.s open to daniel medvedved what was the biggest upset of the weekend butros butros golly um the uh that's hard to quantify, but I'm going to, I'm going to say the tennis because Al Alcaraz is the number one ranked player in the world yeah. and he lost early ish in that tournament. Right. So well, he lost in the semis. I mean, it's okay, early for late, him. Late ish, <laughs> late ish then about as late as you can get without being yeah. in the finals. <laughs> I should pay more attention. Uh, but still, that's a huge, huge upset for the number one ranked tennis player. I, the UFC fighter again, you know, kind of face of that organization and no one expected him to lose that. Some some dude dropped like two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a bet that that he would win it, and oh, it's just bad stuff. But it's a lot of gerbucks. Yeah, it's a lot of gerbucks. <laughs> but I'll stick with tennis for that upset. Oh, I don't really follow the USC like I should, and I know that was a huge upset. But I'm going to go with Texas beating Alabama. Uh, I watched that game. Sometimes it feels real good to see Alabama lose because we say roll tide. Uh, but it also feels real good when a program who was very dominant starts to make some sort of comeback. And Texas was always a great college program. Uh, and it's nice to see them get a keystone victory over a good team. But it always sets up like this for fucking Alabama. If they lose, they lose early and then they run the table. And then you're still going to see them at the end of the year in the playoff. Yeah. But uh, it felt real good to see them lose this week. Yeah, I'm I'm on Texas beating Alabama. It's just that's a big win for a program that's trying to, like you said, make a comeback. Uh, and to beat the preeminent program in the country, that was a huge win for Texas. I thought that was cool. Okay, last one. Ohio State beat Youngstown State 35-7 to in Columbus. Could the Buckeyes be any shittier? <laughs> They're boring. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like I watched a little bit of this game, and I think around like halftime, like that's that's enough. This is a really talented team, and maybe more talented than last year. Except we're we've been spoiled like the Tom Bird bone here. We've been spoiled with quarterback yeah. play, and they just don't have a, a great quarterback. Like maybe he turns into one, but you play in Youngstown State, you should probably win by like sixty, uh, and, and you didn't. So as you watched more teams jump over them uh, in the AP poll, like Texas jumped over, and rightfully so, probably since they beat Alabama. But there's just there's not a whole lot of fun watching Buckeye football the last two weeks, and I'm a little nervous about the Notre Dame game. 
Uh, Texas beat Alabama with an ex Buckeye at quarterback too, right? I mean, that's uh, that that that'd be something if he was taking the snaps back there right now. But they could, to answer your question, they could be shittier. Yes, but they are pretty shitty. I I think Harrison Jr. had 120 yards receiving in the first quarter, so it was one of those things like, all right, just go out there and and have 400 yards receiving in this game and win 62 to three, and they didn't. And I don't know. I, who knows? No one will ever say anything. They may have taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Who knows? But I wanted to use that game as get the quarterback some reps. Like, can we start working in some rhythm with our receivers down the down the field? Yeah. So they're boring. Chuck's right. None of this matters right now. No. They're fine. <laughs> We're not going to know anything about fine. them. Everything yeah. is fine. <laughs> We're not going to know anything about them until they start playing some real competition. So forget about it. All right. Moving on. Worst fantasy league ever three. I made a big mistake, fellas. The punt yards are not part of defense and special teams. We were supposed to draft punters, and I didn't add that position to our lineup. So I obviously should not be in charge of the scoring for our league. So uh, to hopefully correct some of those issues that I have each week, you guys will get to decide what scoring change we should make for the following week. So what should we add to the scoring for next week? Rushing first down points or... He has another point for a, a point after touchdown that you make. So you already get one point for making it. You get the point, but then you get another one for just for making it. What do you think? What? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, I, I feel like a rushing first down is, is points earned. So let's go with that between those two. Inconsequential f-ing kickers, man. I would like the <laughs> yeah. PAT to be uh, worth double. Is that, that basically what it boils down to? Yes. Yeah. Double it up. Ah, damn it. Now I got to break the tie. I'm going rushing first downs. I got screwed by the kicker. So that will be a new point available in our league next week. And your running back gets a first down. You get like a point for it or something like that. All right, Chuck, next week you're playing Joe Vaca. Talk some shit. I don't even know why I played this week. So I'm glad to <laughs> next week. I hate flying. Like I despise it. I do it if I have to. He has dedicated his life in a cockpit, which seems so insane to me. So if we're that far apart, the, the, out of our friend group, I've said this before, the first guy I spent time with at football camp, me and Joe Vaca were roommates. But out of our friend group, I couldn't be more far apart in what we've dedicated our life to. So the fact that he's a pilot is such a disappointment. And I hope, I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's terrible, right? Like he's he's done more in his life than I have and in, in more meaningful things in a cockpit. But still, uh, nonetheless, what really matters is me beating him in fantasy football. So good luck, Joe. I like that you just kept on saying cockpit. It's tough to get cock on this show. It comes out a lot, but yeah. Chuck's not angry. He's just disappointed. I love it. Um, (laughs) Who am I playing? I'm just going to start talking trash about someone. Take your pick. (laughs) I choose you. (laughs) You have Tersic next week. Talk some shit. Oh, Tersic. As our guy's trip is coming up and he's in charge this year, I I feel I'm going to take advantage of the fact that he's probably in his basement right now, like knitting our t-shirts because I don't think he's ordered them yet <laughs> knitting. and the trips in 11 days. So he won't even, he won't even know who he's playing next week. I'm going to take him easily. All right. I'm playing Burke, the ice man, and I'm getting real sick of this guy. Looks like it's time to turn up the heat and watch Tommy go from ice man to puddle man. Chat GPT wrote that for me. That's good. Uh, I bet it did. <laughs> Burke is going down, and we are going to take our final break. We're going to come back off the field, talk some music stuff.
Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We're going to head off the field, and we are going to talk music, business, money, and age. This week, Diddy announced that he was giving back publishing rights to artists on Bad Boy Records, including a lot of big names from Bad Boy's heyday in the 90s and the early 2000s. Generous move or too little, too late? I mean, how much does the lock still have to make on Jenny from the block? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. He's already a billionaire and he could have sold off the, the right, like everybody else has who controlled those. And he's beef with a lot of those guys over the years, like the locks and mace because they wanted yep. that stuff. And he has a new album coming out. And I guess it's, this is some good press for him, but like, like ultimately that guy was a real trendsetter when we were going through it. And we didn't know it then, like what he was doing for that label. And it, ultimately, to give that stuff back to the people who made money off it, like Biggie and the Locks and Faith Evans and maybe Craig yep. Max's estate now can get, but some of those like tertiary guys who weren't making any money then, they're not going to make any money now. But, but I get it's It's a nice move that you don't really see happen uh, from people who are in a controlling interest. So a little bit of both, like a little too late, but also your last album's coming out and you need the publicity. It's about the pub right now. Like it's it's a it's a good story. It seems like it is, but none none of the details are disclosed. Like I, who knows what this actually means? It's it, it Chuck's right though. He could have just easily sold those rights off because even the heavy hitters in that in that stable of of performers are going to command a decent chunk of change if you're selling off their their recording rights. The way it was presented, though, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, Diddy said like, "Yeah, I'm giving back to the the people that built this company with me." Right? Like this is this is what it's all about. I've got mine now they can get theirs, but exactly like, I don't know, is flavor in your ear uh, popping up at halftime <laughs> in an NBA game anytime soon? I would like it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I can't believe the way you guys are treating Diddy. This guy definitely had <laughs> offers, I'm sure, in like the 100 million range for bad boys publishing rights. I mean, we're not talking like Springsteen money. We're not talking Bob Dylan money. We're not talking anything like that, but he could have made a fortune for that company and he's choosing not to and maybe his motivation is in part that you know mace brought it up like last year on like social media and there was a big hubbub about it and or, or maybe just bringing that up made him say hey like we should give these back let's you know we've already made a bazillion dollars off of it let, let them have control over what's important to the artist which is their music uh, i didn't actually even know that he was coming out with a new album i can't wait uh, I really hope it's, uh, it's a lot of more money, more problems type of stuff from Diddy because it doesn't get any better than that. Do you think Suge Knight is going to have Death Row give publishing rights back to his artists? Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point, if I remember correctly, that Snoop Dogg actually mm. owns that label that's, now. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and it would be up to him to divvy up that kind of stuff. That's why those songs were kind of taken off of Spotify for a little bit. But if Suge Knight was still in power, there would be no way, no how anybody would be getting any of that money. All right. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get killed. Moving on. Allegedly. 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 Let's 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 talk a little bit about age in music. The Rolling Stones announce a new album being released on October 20th. Their first original music in 18 years. A new single, Angry, was released last week. Mick Jagger is 80. Keith Richards is 79. Ronnie Wood is a spry 76. Charlie Watt is dead, so we'll <laughs> cross <so> him <laughs> off. 
The Stones say their 18-year layoff was based on them being lazy. Are they being too hard on themselves? <laughs> maybe a maybe a little bit. <laughs> or nobody was clamoring for new Stones music. It, it's it's funny because to me, when you reach a level of superstardom that they have, there's no need for this. There's there's no need for new music 18 years later, and there was no need for it 18 years ago. However, do I respect it? Yeah, because I'm trying, to th- like I always say, like my mom is 70, so is my mom releasing a single in six years? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, so maybe they shouldn't beat themselves up uh, that they haven't put out anything new, but it's a larger problem to me that I continue to always say this, that rock is is kind of dead, where you have to have guys like the Stones and Springsteen and them put out new music to to move that genre forward because there's no one really doing it for them. They are definitely being too hard on themselves. An octogenarian needs a nap, man. Like you're not being <laughs> lazy. You just need a nap, right? Like you're 80 years old. Uh, and and 18 years ago, you were already at retirement age. So uh, yeah, they're being too hard on themselves. I'm sure we'll get into it. But when you start to think about how old these guys are and what their music sounds like and what they're singing about, wow, give them a lot of props. Good for you guys. Obviously, I think they're being way too hard on themselves i mean you you've already reached the pinnacle of your profession multiple times over there's nothing left to accomplish why wouldn't you take a break between the ages of 70 and 80 you know like just just relax a little bit man that's the time to do it rest on your laurels some that's when it's supposed to happen i don't know it's the rolling stones man um so if they decide they want to make a record i guess they're going to make a record do we need more rolling stones no No, we don't need any more Rolling Stones, just like we don't need any more music from some of these older acts. But I'm glad we got it. I I am like it's it's one thing if they release a a single and it's a turd. And this was not it wasn't a turd like this is a good Rolling Stones song. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. I know I'm jumping ahead, but no, no, I don't I don't think we need it. But I, for one, am glad that we get it. No, you don't need it. There is an upper echelon of artists and they're they're in it. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're in it. You don't you don't need new stones. You don't need new Stevie Wonder. But <laughs> is it nice, I guess, every once in a while? Like, oh, I wonder what these old 80-year-old bastards are doing. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I guess need is is the wrong word because you're right. We don't need it. I don't think they need it. You know, satisfaction might be one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever made. They've got a whole bunch of other ones that are really good. But at the same time, like I guess if they want to make it, like who's gonna tell them no? Why should anybody tell them no, man? If they feel like they want to keep making music, I mean, hey, we're still going to be making this podcast when we're in our 80s. People oh, probably yeah. be like, well, they don't need to do anything more. They don't need to accomplish anything more. <laughs> but we're still going to be at it because, like, hey, man, it's what we love to do and uh, gives us a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So, all right, good on the Rolling Stones. What did you think of the single Angry? What a groove, man. I've always been a Stones fan. I can remember having Hot Rocks on double cassette when I was like in fourth grade and listening to stuff. I God, you were the coolest fourth grader yeah, ever. Um... <laughs> like I was listening to the Wilson Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I love how simple the Stones drum and guitar work is, but it's so catchy. There's no doubt this is the best song they've released in, in 40 years. And I'm trying to think like that because I'm pretty sure I bought Steel's Wheels or Steel. It was something like that on yeah. cassette back then. Like, I remember yep. thinking, like, I had oh, man, steel this, wheels. Yeah. 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 Like, this is great. Like, this is better than that. <laughs> Jagger's voice sounds better than ever now. And the problem is, like, the more I listen to it, 
I'm worried like this is actually AI and it's not them. Like it's it's not the stones at all. And it sounds like it fits right next to Start Me Up and Beast of Burden. And those are some of my favorite stone songs. Yeah. So like truth is like, yes, like did I need it? No, do I love it? Yeah, like I, I actually love this song. This song's really good. It's it's <laughs> amazingly 18 years later, when these guys are in their late 70s and early 80s, this might be a top 10 stone song. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Like I I've listened to it a bunch. I after, you know, as we tend to do on this podcast, after I listened to it 10 or 12 times, I then started reading some things about it. And it's going to be the number one song on their new album, which is a great way to kick off the album, right? Like you've got me. You've got me with this yeah. song. I laughed when you sent it to us that morning because I was like, oh, this can't, this is going to be bad. And it yep. was the exact opposite. It was so good. I'm not even a huge Stones fan. Like, I like the Rolling Stones. I, I like the songs that everybody loves. Like, their big hits are songs that I'll listen to. I don't really go seeking out the Stones a lot. I loved this song. Uh, from the guitar at the very beginning to Jagger sounding as good as he did, it's a really fun, sounds so strange to say this, but, you know, there's there's a certain amount of, like, sex appeal to the Stones music. And this, this song has it. It's like a sexy yeah. song. And they're 80. <laughs> you know, they shouldn't be being gross. sexy it's anymore. Gross. <laughs> Stop being sexy, ah. you weirdos. Ah. Your old balls. <laughs> uh, so I really liked it. I'll tell you what, out of nowhere, I'm really excited for this album. Like, if the whole album sounds like this song, I, this is going to be a lot of fun. So we are we're definitely looking forward to that in, in late October for that coming out. This weekend, we also watched the video for Angry featuring 25-year-old Sydney Sweeney. Like we've said, the Stones are in their late 70s or early 80s. Wouldn't this video have been more appropriate if it featured 85-year-old Jane Fonda? How about 77-year-old Dolly Parton? Or they could have really robbed the cradle and gone with 61-year-old Heather Locklear. Am I right? Yes, sir. You are correct. Much better if any of those women would have been in that video. It's funny. Uh, my mom was in town last week for most of it, and she watched two movies here. Like, hey, the, you know, she wanted to watch the book club and the book club two. I found like, you know, there's a sequel. And Jane Fonda's in that movie. And my mom, I was like, hey, how'd it go? Because I didn't I didn't watch it. She's like, it's all about women having sex in their 60s. I'm like, you mean 80s, mom? Like Jane Fonda's <laughs> in her 80s. Either way, Jane Fonda would have been great in this video. I would have been fine with that too. If if they digitally enhanced her like they did the stones throughout like their career on the billboards yeah. and stuff. That would have been fine. Uh, either way, Jane Fonda in those era smoke show, uh, whoever this girl is, whatever you say her name is, same deal. Yeah, the, the best move the stones made in making this video was using younger footage of them rather than current footage of them. I don't know. Fun video, fun song. Looking forward to the album. All right. More aging news. Bruce Springsteen is taking a touring break to address treatment for a peptic ulcer disease. Phil, is this fatal? <laughs> Typically, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. You'll be okay. <laughs> Good news. Good news. All right, Chuck, there are a couple of homeopathic remedies available for peptic ulcer disease. One is to take graphites, but those may cause a dislike for sweets, sensitivity to cold air, and eczema. Uh, another is taking phosphorus, but that will cause sinking feelings, sensitivity to cold air, kind-hearted personality, and talkativeness, 
Which do you recommend for Bruce? I would suggest the graphite because weren't most of our bats in high school made from graphite. And if it's good enough for us to rake, it's good enough for him to take. <laughs> oh, I like that. If it's good enough for us to rake, it's good enough for him to take. Write that down. We can't do anything better than that. So why don't we move on? Bruce, get well soon. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Winning Time, HBO's ensemble sitcom about the rise of the 80s Lakers dynasty. Episode five was last week. Coach Westhead is out. Pat Riley now runs the Lakers. Chuck, you're a girl, Dad. What did you think of Westhead's teenage daughter telling him at dinner that he was going to get fired and basically calling him out for making a mistake? I, I thought, I hope I'm never in a situation where I'm sitting in a weird-themed restaurant and my daughter knows more than me about where my career is headed because everybody knew this was coming except for him. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping at that point, because I'll be much older, if they're, uh, let's say I'm in my, I'll be Mick Jagger's age at that point, eating dinner um, and saying Garcon, which really pissed me off in that show, with my daughter telling me I'm, go I'm going to be fired. So tough, tough break for Coach Westhead, but gone too late two episodes ago i would have been more than happy to see him walk i'm also a girl dad and if my daughter had ever said anything like that to me at a table when she was like 19 years old um i would have told her to shut the hell up <laughs> listen you twerp you don't know anything about the world you don't know what's going on get lost even if she proved to be right later on that would have been my position all right denko chuck kind of stepped on this a little bit for you and he owes you an apology but sorry paul west said Gone too soon, gone too late, gone on time. Oh, God, gone way too late, way too late. <laughs> in, in fact, it was the worst 32 minutes of even the last episode to finally get to where he got canned. I'm like, could you, you, have, you could have done this in like the recap. Like, just let's move on. They spent way too much time to make us hate that man because, oh, my God, by the time he was in the Shakespeare-themed hamburger joint, I, I like, <laughs> just get this guy. Why am I watching this? Westhead, get out of here. So yeah, gone too late. He should have been fired probably two episodes ago. So we can already fast forward to when the Lakers actually play the Celtics like two seasons from now. All right. So episode six will be coming out tonight. What are you hoping to see happen in this week's episode? I kind of alluded to it a little bit in my last statement. I kind of the fast forward and, and this, this series has been doing that a bit, right? Like they, they will take an episode and all of a sudden hit the fast forward button. They showed Riles take over last episode and he proceeded to lose every game that he coached for the first week. That team goes on to spoiler alert, win a championship this season. So Damn it. I, I, I hope, I hope they like, <laughs> they, they show him like su succeeding and getting the lake show, the, the actual lake show going. Because again, spoiler alert, they play against a team that we don't, we don't want to see the five foot six Dr. J again, do we? Because that's who they play in this year's championship series. They don't get to the Celtics till the next year and the year after that. So I'm hoping for a little bit of a fast forward. I don't know what I'm hoping for, to be honest, because Bird Origin Story is the best episode of this season by far. Yep. And for me saying leading into the season, I want to see Riley's Rice. So like that 15 minutes of this episode is it's kind of right underneath the, the bird stuff. So now that it's there and Riley is the authoritative figure, what, what do I hope I see? Maybe a little more lighthearted, like fun here. Uh, and not like the Jerry West freaking out kind of fun and the stress fun. Like actually like they're going to get on a super roll. And they kind of alluded to that when they were started rolling the games and winning the games. But now like Phil's right here. I want to see the playoff run and I guess they're going to feel wounded for me. I had no idea they won the championship this year. Uh, but <laughs> But let's kind of let's kind of get to there, <laughs> yeah. And maybe like the the turmoil end because this season's been a lot about the Westhead turmoil, the Jenny Bus turmoil. Like, I want to feel good watching the show and not be disappointed uh, in certain aspects, like I have been uh, throughout this season. I really just want to see 
Pat Riley slick his hair back for real. Like he's kind of starting to get to it a little bit, but I mean, like, I feel like that's a moment. It's like the superhero moment. Like he's donning his cape, so to speak. He really slicks it back good uh, and they start winning games. But uh, I'm with you guys enough kind of like bullshit. Like, let's just have some fun with winning time. That's what this show is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a good time. So anyway, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Jamar Chase lamented the Bengals losing to some elves this afternoon with that news that stupid still is as stupid does <laughs> go browns yeah i hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon absolutely Oh, the stash. Man, I love the week-to-week stash <laughs> development, Chuck. This, this is pretty exciting. I think it's coming in way better this time. Yeah. I you don't change know. your diet or something? No, I, think I, had, I think I had a really good week. Um, we were eating dinner. I had a good mustache week? Yeah, I did. We were, <laughs> we were eating dinner, and Whitney looked over at me. She goes, starting to look dirty man it's starting to look like it looks like it grew an awful lot of steam it must have this week i don't know that's fantastic or maybe it's just because it's dark and the rest of it is you know shaved down in light maybe yeah with the with the dark no, hair under, definitely... under your bottom lip you're like frank zappa-esque this is fantastic <laughs> oh see i was gonna say i was gonna say Diesel um... zappa <laughs> no, no man definitely I was, frank no i'm going like way more positive i'm saying like tom Selleck. Ooh, like oh. like mid 80s tom Selleck. Well, yeah yeah I just Pete tom including, Selleck. including the yeah. underlip it's frank zappa but yeah you shave the rest of that and you're <laughs> tom just, Selleck for sure i haven't <laughs> trimmed it I'm, I'm not i don't know if i'm good at trimming a mustache so i'm worried if i try it i might end up looking worse than i do right now So here's what I, I thought was interesting. You guys had mentioned uh, this ties together both the both the Miles Garrett and the fish stew. How about that? Um, right. Yeah. See how I'm going to work my way around this. But when you guys had mentioned like they're lining Miles Garrett up in basically against every offensive lineman at some point during that game, right? Why didn't anyone else think of yep. that? I don't know if you guys saw after the game uh, JJ Watts comment about that, which I think all right, I'm going to believe that guy, right? He said any good defensive coordinator would do that with a player like Miles Garrett <laughs> or JJ Watt yeah. because what they look for is the fresh fish. You line up yeah. against yeah. every lineman yeah. and the guy who shits himself, we're going to take advantage of this all game long and you just keep moving them around. I'm like, all right, so it only took what five or six years of of Garrett's career for yeah. us to do this? Yeah. I did like the he played really great today, but that the fourth and four, that sack, like oh. there have been times where he has been inconsistent or not visible on the field on big plays and yep. that to me was you know like the turning point in the game i mean it was interesting choice i understand why they went for it there but still um oh i think they had to yeah yeah, yeah. it was yeah. just to me that was the turning and i I liked what they did with elijah moore i like yeah. that he lined up mm -hmm. in the backfield yep. i like that he's like a gadget guy kind of all over the place um and that was the touchdown drive right where you're he went to the right and then came back and gained 19 like yards. Like, football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. that's, yeah, I appreciated that. And we saw one Stefanski trick play, right? The, yeah. the direct snap to Chubb, who then flipped it to yeah. Wat yeah. Watson. And, and they, they actually would have worked. They yeah. had good, yeah. good one, and he just underthrew it, right? The yeah. good one was yeah. open. 
I don't know if he's thrown into that end of the stadium, if that was the way the wind was blowing. Um, if that, like, I, I could see that. I could see that ball was a ball that deep. Is it getting held up in the wind and that's what slows him down? I don't know. That was that was kind of my thought. Was that we must be able to find a bar or an Applebee's or a Chili's nearby. <laughs> there's some Chili's there. There's no Chili's in Erie. There's going to be one there. Long. Fuck. There's a Chili's. No, there's an Applebee's here. It's not a Chili's. We have an Applebee's. Yeah, we have an Applebee's. We have a few actually. I think here. There's an Applebee's by me too. Is Chili's still a thing? Does that exist? Absolutely. It has to. Yeah. 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 There's no way you could stop Chili's. I think Applebee's still has that like dollar margarita or whatever they were doing. They used to do like dollar. Oh, man. <laughs> Mount Pelier. We're going to upset some people. Yeah. No, we're not. It'd be great just to find like a. I mean, no, we're not. We like always do. Bar, <laughs> there, there aren't many. I was looking it up. Um, when we were exchanging those text messages about when we were going to get there, I started looking and there, I mean, there, there's one that's called like the rec room. Yeah. I mean, it just looks like somebody's living room. There's a <laughs> Maybe it is. It. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a knock on the door. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Come on in. That's fantastic. Uh, um, <laughs> you gotta see. I don't know. The rec room. <laughs> we sell live bait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> beer and live bait. <laughs> I had no clue the Rolling Stones were releasing another album this year. Yeah, ever. I didn't. I didn't either until no Friday morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Chuck, it's funny you mentioned that we don't need any more music from Stevie Wonder. He's a feature on this next album. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You didn't know that? Oh, oh that's why you were making the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul, no, Paul just... McCartney, Stevie Wonder, and Lady well, Gaga. Well, all right. So we'll see. If it sounds like this, like, oh, man, I, I like yeah. it just, man, that's what, like my biggest problem with rock is that like sometimes these dudes have been doing it forever need to show you how it's done from a perspective. Like it's commercial and it's catchy and it's fun and it doesn't have to be super serious or screamo metal or anything like that. So yeah. like this yeah. was like, so unex- you said it to him like, Oh no, I, I, I don't want to have to shit all over these guys on Sunday night. And I listen to him like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, this is, this is really good. It's really well done. And you know, We'll probably end up wrapping it up at the same time we do every week. Yeah. Except this week. Yeah. We're way early right now. I'm there's no way we're, there's no way time, we're stretching. Baby, this look how easy this yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way we're stretching. I like it. Hey, remember, we used to, before you started having kids, Chuck. Sorry. We uh, we were doing this at 830 on Sunday yeah. nights. Right. Sunday. We were yeah. first doing it. Yeah. So we were done uh, by 11. You're right, man. There's I have a. Uh, like looking some of the pick when I used to set up my recording in the kitchen, it was light out with some of your screenshots because oh, there's yeah. a w- window behind me. Yeah. So in the summer, in the summer, we'd start recording and it was still light out. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. hey, let's call it. All right. All right. It's a wonderful time to go to bed. Watch winning time. You guys were awesome. No, you're go Browns. Awesome. Go Browns. Oh, thanks, Chuck. <laughs> I think you did a great job. <laughs> And then just let us know this what we're gonna do for 
Monday. Yeah, it's going to be something. It's going to be either the end of the game or after the game, something like that on Monday. The the bigger question is is what happens the next week, and then what happens for these a couple of weeks in October. But we'll figure it out. All right, okay. all right, boys. Hey, boys. All right, guys. Good Have job, night. guys. Have all a great night, dudes. Right, Later, guys. guys. See you. Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?